Good morning. There are still paper people in the world, and I'm one of them sometimes. I love technology, but I don't trust myself in the iPad. Not up here, so I just have to say that. As Chris said, my name is Tracy Barr. Um, My parents um, raised me in this church, and I know that it's a rarity to be able to grow up in the church, um, get married in church, raise children in church, and stay in a church for your life. And I'm thankful for Grace Gathering um, and all those times that we had here, about 50 years so far and running. I was very privileged to have two parents that weren't, they were doers, not talkers, I say. They were servant hearts. My mom and dad, um, my dad was the first to arrive to church and the last one to leave. He loved people and anyone that knew him. He was the one grabbing your hand, If you let him hug you, he would hug you. And when we were a smaller church, he made it a point to know everyone. And I really emulated, I loved him about that. And my mom was the quieter person, but she is um, a quiet soul who has a lot to say when she talks. And also the gift of hospitality is at the top of her list. So I'm thankful for that. Again, my brothers and I grew up here. We grew up at Highland Terrace just across the street took advantage of all the things church life had to offer here. It certainly helped form me and make me the person I am today um, from the foundation that I had. I always wanted to be a missionary, and Kenny always said, no, we're not going to another country. (laughs) And so I prayed further. So anyway, I always thought missionaries had to go out of the country. That's what I, we had a lot of foreign missionaries when I was a child here that we supported, but I learned a lot more so over the years that that is not necessarily true. Two verses I want to focus about today. We're going to talk about perseverance. When I look at the slide and I pointed out the Greek word right underneath it. I just think it looks cool. I can't read Greek, but I thought it was pretty neat. So I asked him to put it up there. So there's Greek perseverance. I think every single one of us in this room can relate to that word in everyday life. Any aspect of your life, if you're a child, you're an adult, you're an older person, no matter who you are, what gender you are, what stage of life you are, perseverance. And two verses in particular we're going to talk about today, I'm going to focus on, that God just really gave me a message for, is to speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy, in Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but I'd like to talk about a few people that have just kind of stuck out in my life that I admire and in looking and researching for this today, um, share a couple people with you. The first one is Abe Lincoln. Everyone knows Abe Lincoln. Don't have to say who he is. But this particular statement is, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. And that is pretty significant because not everyone knows that Abe Lincoln experienced extreme hardship and loss up till becoming the 16th president of the United States. He, he failed a lot. He lost a lot of elections. He was unemployed. He suffered from depression. There was a lot of struggles over 28 years. In one of his biographies, they list 11 significant life-changing bad things that happened to him. But yet, he came out, went on to become our president. And it didn't end there, of course. You know, our nation went through the Civil War. He believed that all men were created equal, and our, most of our country did not. So ultimately, he gave his life. He was assassinated, lost his life by a man that didn't believe that all men were created equal. Another person that I didn't know anything about till the 2016 election is Ben Carson. 
I grew to love him and all that he was about. Through hard work, perseverance, and a faith in God, you can live your dreams, and that is his life. Not everyone knew much about Ben Carson, um, unless you were from the Michigan area, maybe, because that's where he grew up. But I didn't know much about him until I started digging. He was the child of a single mother, and she worked very hard and taught him that, guess what, just because you're growing up in the projects, that's not going to define who you are. I want you to go to college. I want you to be a better man. I want you to love the, uh, love the Lord. And so he did grow up. He went on to graduate from Yale University for his pre-med. And he went on to graduate from the University of Michigan Medical School. And some people may or may not know that he was the first neurosurgeon to separate conjoined twins. It's pretty impressive. So even though he has all those accolades in his life, he decided he wanted to throw this hat in the ring at the 2016 election. And even though he didn't get the presidential nomination, he is our Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Isn't that full circle from a man who grew up in the projects? So I really, I really enjoy his story. And the next person is Mother Teresa. I don't think she needs any explanation, but I have followed her my entire adult life. I've read her books. I watched the movie and I love her quotes. This one in particular. By blood, I'm Albanian. By citizenship, an Indian. By faith, I'm a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. That was her life. She was born in 1910, and she wanted to serve the people that absolutely nobody wanted to touch, literally, physically touch. People with illness, disease, they were laying in the streets, dying, and the Indian government gladly gave her some space to do it because they didn't want to deal with it. So in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, um, the poverty of Calcutta, she pressed on and lived for 87 years on this earth, and most of it was serving the poor. In 1950, against the advice of many people, she formed a charity called the Missionary of Charity, and it's still alive and well today. So certainly she pressed on. The next slide is, slide is the verse that many of us hear often, probably at a wedding, maybe at a marriage counselor type session, a, a, a wedding retreat or anything like that. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, and always perseveres. Well, of course, the end of that verse is the verse that I'm, I'm focused on. And we'll talk a little bit about that. That back in that time, Paul was actually chastising the Corinthians when this was written, saying, you are not loving your brothers and sisters or people well at all. This is what love is, and this is what it's not. And so that's why the, the writer believes that he broke this down for us to know that it's not about romantic love necessarily, which is fine as part of it, but it's about loving people in the day-to-day, -day. love is actions, taking care of people. So that, jumping back to my intro, I can tell you that my home life was this. My parents did emulate it. They were not perfect people, but they were loving people. And I don't, I don't recall anything negative, quite honestly, growing up. I just know that we were loved well. We did not have a lot of money, but we did not miss it because of the love they had for each other, for Christ, and for our family. So I accepted Christ at a very young age. I was around eight years of age. And you know, a lot of people, <clears throat> when children come to Christ, they go, really? That's not for real. 
just wait till they get older. Oh, I can tell you mine was real, absolutely real. And I held my hand up and I said, I want to know Jesus. I was about eight years old. And I thought that was just, that was just it. You know, no one was going to talk me out of it. I wanted to follow him, but I found out in the day-to-day quite quickly that your peers aren't always on the same page as you are. They want to help you make bad decisions, temptations. Hey, I'm going to take this candy. You want to help me? You know, I'm going to go out back and smoke a cigarette. They're 11 years old. You want to try smoking? Just different things that happen. And you know, you just wonder, should I do that? No, there's a voice telling you, no, no. And I didn't know at the time it was the Holy Spirit, but I learned over the years that it was. I can remember going to a slumber party in particular. All my friends, some of my friends, I didn't know them, were all hanging out, sleeping bags are out, we're snacking, we're having a good time until they break out bottles of wine from their bag and joints. I'd never seen either one. <laughs> and I heard this not so still small voice going, run home. And I did. And I'm sure they all going, what's wrong with her? I didn't say a word. I packed everything up and I ran home. And I thought, those kind of things happened to me over my life. And I thought, I don't know. I'm just trying to listen to that voice. I didn't always listen. We all sometimes ignore them, don't we? But I did. I tried to most of the time. The next slide is watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. First Timothy 4, 16. Of course, I love that picture because we work with veterans and some of them, that is their life. They're trying to press on, persevere, get through what they're going through. So that's, I love that slide. Have you ever persevered for someone you love or something you love? There's people waiting for people to stand with them that are broken and lost and just ask, waiting for someone to ask. Maybe the next slide shows this ball. It feels like a heavy ball we're carrying. But people say, but you don't know what it's like to fill in the blank. You're married. How, what do you know about waiting for a mate? I lost my husband when I was 30. What do you know about being a widow? What do you know about addiction? Or I want to go to college, but I come from a single parent home. How are we going to do that? So you can all fill in your own blanks, but that is a very heavy ball to carry. But if we just left it at the cross that's there, that Christ's going to see you through. He's going to be faithful in your weight. Kenny and I have been married about 36 and a half years. Whoop, whoop. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and we were young kids when we got married. Back in the 80s, you know, people did get married at 18 and 22. Now, not days, not so much. So that's okay. We had three children, Stephanie, Eric, and Preston, and they have four children. So we are grandparents and we love it. In the early years, I'm sure, like most married couples, you go through different ups, you go through different downs, you get to know each other. But one thing that was a challenge to Kenny and I was that Kenny was not raised in the church, and I was, and we were spiritually unequal. So that is a challenge, and it was a challenge. During those times of doubting myself, I sought out one person pretty often, and I, I sometimes question why I did, because he gave me really hard answers, and it was Gordon Smith. He became my spiritual father of, well, let's just sit down and have lunch. I thought, oh, good, we're going to have a nice talk. No, it wasn't. It was him opening the Bible, stuffing it in front of my face and going, what does God have to say about that? Okay, <laughs> that's not the answer I was expecting. 
But I did, want it, I did want it, I went back and I went and sought out other godly people, godly friendships that help you build your life, your mar- not just your marriage, but your person, who you are, to wanna grow in the Lord. Not just things that tickle your ears, but solid things from the word. First Peter 3, 1 and 2, I don't know of one woman that says that is an easy verse to follow. Well, I haven't heard from him yet. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, you godly, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. That is a great packed couple of verses. And I know that I did not do that perfectly all the times, but I did pray. I, did, I learned and I was taught by older women, you pray and keep your mouth shut during that time of prayer and let God do it, right? So I learned the hard way. So over the four, first 14 years, um, I did become impatient at times. I thought, God, what are you waiting on? I've been faithful. I've tried to practice that verse. So what's the deal? I really wanted Kenny to be on the same page with me. I wanted to serve the Lord with him. So one time I had a dream that was very disturbing in that last year. I was on a plane and there were passengers and there was one parachute short. And Kenny said, take it, I'm staying with the plane. And I woke up just totally shaken. I thought, I don't wanna live my life without him. I want him to be with me through eternity. And God just showed me how selfish I was being. I got on my knees, I asked his forgiveness And I said, Lord, whatever your timing is, I'll take it. I love this man. I will continue to love him. I love my children. I'll do my best in your strength, in your timing, not mine. So interestingly, when I let go of that, you know, the next year, God really worked. Gordon had shared with me that he always had asked Kenny every year, do you want to do this Bible study with me? No, thanks. About 14 years, no thanks. On the 15th year, it was, yeah, let's do it. I think he said it to get him off his back. But anyway, he did it. And um, I'm thankful for that man that persevered who took my husband through an amazing study and they have a relationship strong today. And he took through him through it in his own way, in his own time. He found the Lord. And on Father's Day over 20 years ago, he stood up in front of the congregation and told his story of how he found Christ and found salvation. I was so thankful, I was so humbled, and I don't take that for granted that God had given me a really good man, but he made him great because you can only be great in Christ. So have you ever persevered for others on their behalf, stood in the gap with somebody, caregivers, people that aren't quite, maybe they have mental challenges, maybe they have addictions, whatever, fill in the blank. For Kenny and I, it was when we were pretty young, right after this had all taken place, around 95, His dad became very sick. He lived behind us. He had congestive heart failure. And I was working full time. We had three young children and we didn't even think about it. He just came over one day. It was hot. It was 90 degrees out. He didn't have an air conditioner. He couldn't breathe. Kenny was at the track for Indy 500 time trials. And his dad fell asleep in our chair and that was it. Kenny looked at me like, my dad's not going home, is he? No, he's not. So we didn't, we didn't plan it, it just happened, you know? Sometimes we like, that's when God moves, doesn't he? We, don't, we can have all the best of plans and he can just shake them up, throw them out the window. But he did, he moved in with us, our kids were wonderful. Kenny was more than wonderful, he sacrificed a lot. He sacrificed by stepping aside and letting his dad be the head of our home for a little bit while he was ill. 
We took him to the doctor, we, we cooked for him, we took care of him. The last six months though, I couldn't do it anymore work. I just couldn't work and do it all. And I felt like God was calling me to quit my job. Well, I had gotten a promotion at Parkview. I was a manager. I was making good money. And that's when he calls us away, doesn't he? Not when we're poor. <laughs> and Kenny and I, without hesitation, said, yep, quit your job, let's ride this wave. Let's help him to the end of his life, and we did. He lived another six months and he passed in our home. But we're so thankful we could show him the love of Jesus, not just us, but our kids who never complained once. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Before we return to my comments in the beginning about what God's done with Kenny and I recently, most people know Proverbs 31 for the wife of excellent care, noble character. Some of us women are like, oh, I don't want to hear that. I cannot live up to that. Well, good news. We're not talking about that today. <laughs> the two verses are the eight and nine that I mentioned. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And it was written in the context of a, a mother. Her son was king and she was warning him what a king was not, not to abuse your power. Just because you're in a position of authority, take care of the orphans, the children, those who cannot take care of themselves. Feeble, they use the language. Then, and they said, don't abuse it. And in the Greek, it says, I'm sorry, pardon me, the Hebrew, it says, speak up in Hebrew, which means peta, open your mouth. So that means open your mouth and say something. Don't be quiet when injustice is going on. About eight years ago, Grace Gathering decided to take the leap and go with a different way of doing church and mission where they decentralized everything and broke us down into communities as far as out, outside of this setting. And Kenny and I went with the mission community and we actually at Kenny's prompting wanted to help veterans. Kenny's brother was a vet. My dad was a 20 year Navy vet. We didn't feel veterans were getting a fair shake. God really called our heart. So Kenny, we stalked the, the shepherd's house, sat out in front of it, make sure it was the real deal. And it was, we met with Lonnie and Barb and they were the real deal too. They had given up a successful business to start a homeless shelter. Who does that? Not very many people. And we thought if they did that, their story was inspiring. We had an immediate connection. So we played bingo and had snacks that first year. People laughed at us, bingo, really? Well, we build relationships and we had a great time. And some of those people that came to do bingo with our veterans adopted some of them. And to this day, they still have a relationship seven years later with them. So that's the, that was the fruit of that. Over that year, we really felt like God might be calling us full time. Who knows? Kenny had a job. I had a job here at the church. And we're like, I don't know. We're gonna have to pray about it. I had three dreams after the third dream. And the th dreams were, I was in a house with men that were not my relation. Imagine me telling Kenny that story. <laughs> and I did. But he knew. He knew where my heart was and where his heart was as well. We had been praying and asking God, what are we gonna do this empty nest season of our life that serves you well? So that's what we prayed. So guess what? Over the next, over those months, um, the house manager position became available. We accepted, not having any clue what we were doing. We put our, our property into storage, rented our home in Highland Terrace, and moved into our 500-ish square foot apartment. We had no hands-on experience with drug and alcohol addiction, but we did know we loved the Lord. Lonnie and Barb loved the Lord, and they went by the promptings of the Spirit. And you know, we saw things that were absolutely amazing. 
And I questioned myself, how could I be in a house full of men and be effective? Okay, I've never done that before. And I really clearly felt like God said, these are your sons, these are your brothers. They need Jesus, so why, not, why wouldn't you? So took the pressure off there, prayed about it a lot. So Kenny and I just decided to live our life like we normally do. We always tease that we could be a reality TV show, but thankfully we're not. You know, we, we just wanted them to know Christ. We wanted them to have a hope in their, in their struggle with addiction and homelessness. After all, without him and without that hope, who wants to go on? Who wants to be better? There have been times that we just, just stop the business of the day, join hands and pray with a guy because he just got a diagnosis that said, you got cancer. Well, we have a saying in Barb, I love it. God will decide, right? He's the ultimate physician. Or men with mental health issues. So thankful for Paul's messages on mental health. Guess what? I'm not saying you quit your meds, but you can pray and you can ask God to take that away. He can take away some of your struggles, even in the mental health realm. We've seen it happen. So the next slide is hardships often, oh, I'm sorry. I wanna see our, our guys here. These are three of our guys who submitted these cards that kind of make a statement of where they're at. I love this from Jerry. So I will restore to you the years that the, the swarming locust has eaten. Joel 2.25, Jerry has a great story. He is, a, he is a miracle walking. He would tell you all about it. His stories from military trauma are unreal, but God's healing him. Next slide. This is Emery, another veteran with the Lord as my shepherd. All things are possible. Just was baptized recently, new in Christ, trying to make his way through. And thirdly, Christopher. I love that smile, don't you? <laughs> Gratefulness is a condition which expresses gratitude and gratitude recovers dreams and changes everything. Isn't that the truth? These are their words, their stories. This is what keeps us all going. So also, I wanna tell a story about my daughter. Uh, my oldest, Stephanie, if anyone knows her, knows that she is a woman that does not sit still for injustice. And I love that about her. She's a military wife of 17 and a half years. Her, son, her husband's been in the army. They have two children. They've moved multiple times, and yet they keep it all together by the grace of God. About a year ago, a woman came to her in her job. She's a director of oncology at a hospital near Kansas City, and this woman had been rejected by at least four facilities because she was underinsured, and she was working on getting her citizenship. She had a one-year-old little boy. Her husband and her were desperate. She had advanced stage four thyroid cancer. She's 24. So Stephanie thought, I don't know why I'm calling her back because a lot of people call for help, but God just put it on her heart to call her. And she talked to the director of oncology and she talked to the hospital and said, we need to save this woman's life because it's the right thing to do, not because we're gonna get a dime out of it. And they did. The physician agreed to do the surgery for free. The hospital ate her expenses and her care. And one year later here, just recently at her chemo checkup, she is cancer-free, and she's expecting their second child. That's amazing, isn't it? But you know, if someone doesn't take the time to persevere with someone, to be their champion, to be their advocate, it doesn't happen. God uses us. He could do it, but he likes to use us to do those great things because then we can tell the story of his greatness. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. 
and I will raise them up the last day. Isn't that what it's about? Helping them. Some people have movies that let define them. They say that's their movie for the life or whatever. A lot of people I've heard say The Notebook. I've only seen half of it. But the movie for me that if I had to look backwards would be The Hiding Place. And some people here have maybe never heard of it or seen it. I encourage you to get it. The year it came out, I was 11 years old. Our youth group, middle school, went to this movie and my jaw just hit the floor and never got up. That this woman could tell this story of her whole family getting wiped out killed and God gave her the story of forgiveness to persevere and to tell the story of his goodness and his greatness. She didn't have to, but she chose to. She spent her entire rest of her life talking to groups, telling people, even forgiving the guard that had a hand in the death of her family and telling him to his face that she forgave him, which is amazing. So her slide, this is Corey Tenboom. The wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and you enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. Corey Tenboom. I encourage you to get on and find her. In closing, I just want to say that Kenny and I, I am grateful that God gave me a mate that wants to serve with me. That's all I ever wanted. I talked about that going to Africa or India thing. He said, no way. But he did say yes, because God called us to the shepherd's house where a lot of good things go on there. I think we've met over 450 veterans that have come through. And it's really amazing to live life with them. They are amazing men. And they find love, they find protection, security. Some of them are here today after the service. If you'd like to meet them, shake their hand. And one thing I read today that just pulls it all together, that love won't stop looking for you. You know who the love is? It's the love of Jesus. What does he do? He left the 99 to go get the one. So who in your life is God asking you to be uncomfortable, to give up your comfort, to talk to someone in the middle of the night because they need talked off the clip? Those people, quote, I hear are needy. Yes, they do. They need Jesus. And they need someone to love them, stand with them, care for them. And we don't do it perfectly, but we try every day to do that and to be that. And I just encourage and challenge you today to think about that. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day of Mother's Day, Lord. But I also just thank you that we can be encouragers to all, whether we're a mother or not. There are people out there men and women, children, who need us to stand in the gap for them, who desperately need to know that someone loves and cares about them, no matter what they've done, it's not for us to judge or decide. We are just called, Lord, to forgive them, to love them, and to stand with them. Thank you for those opportunities given. Thank you for the opportunities you give us every day to be and do that. I just pray that maybe today someone will think about someone in their life or maybe who hasn't crossed their path yet who desperately needs someone to be the love that chases after them. It's in your name we pray, amen.